1: Hello everyone. Welcome back to What's of Live from our Barangaroo Studios. Great to have your company as we kick off the PM with the call. 10 stocks picked by you. I put those stocks to our two experts on the panel today. We do it in one hour. It is Wednesday, the 1st of February. Uh, let's welcome the panel in and Michael Wayne from Medanium Financial. Michael, good to see you, sir. Thanks for having me, Koshi. Uh, Carl Gablinga from Thick Markets, our favorite West Australian. How are you, sir? <laughs> Yeah, well Very good, thanks Scotia. Yeah, it's it's great to be here. Hot in Perth as well. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit warm over here,
2: if you're a bit of a wimp, that is, but you know, if you're like me, you know, 40, 40 degrees is, you know, we, we eat that for breakfast, over here. We?
1: <laughs> well, the share market is certainly hot, Carl, at the moment. Um, I was just thinking, should I check the uh, ASX 200? Has it got to 4,600 at the moment? Um, 7,600, yeah, nearly. Uh, 75.22. Oh, we're close,
2: aren't we? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. know what you're going to ask. Yeah, <laughs> is, yeah. the, is, is the finger still on the sell button? Yeah. Oh, I think ah, it's tough because, you know, back look back when I called it, I, I thought the macro situation was so bad, but yeah. markets were going vertical. So I thought, okay, if macro's bad, markets are vertical, take some profit. I don't think the macro's as bad. No. Uh, but I still think I still think you can take some profits up there. I think, yeah. you know, trim, trim some stuff. Uh, you, you should always be doing that. You should always be uh, manicuring the portfolio, getting rid of the dead wood, you know, promoting the ones that are doing well. Um, and it, some things that just get to top of ranges, you like, I mean, we keep talking about BHP and Rio and, and those ones. So we yeah. get the top ranges, I think, don't I take a little bit of profit there uh, and then buy in the back when they get towards the bottom of the ranges. Yeah. So yeah, bottom line oh, is uh, you know, I'll, I'll stick with the call, but I, I wouldn't be, you know, figure on the button selling. i right, selling entire...
1: everything, but I trimming,
2: tri- I'm not. I, I must admit, we've in so much upside in January, you, you've got yeah. to think that, you know, geez, only a little bit needs to go wrong now just to see a bit
1: of a push. Yes, I agree. I'm, I'm sorry, I took your advice on BHP and some lithium stocks as well. Um, Michael, what do you recommend in Glides? Yeah, we
0: hold about 10-15% cash, which is down from, you know, three months ago. And, and we're sort of chatting off air. I also mentioned reducing some of those lithium stocks and just some of those hotter, mining type businesses, yep. which can be quite volatile at times. So I think you want to have a bit of ammo um, up your sleeve, particularly for earnings season, which we're about to embark on. That way you can review all the company announcements and sort of pick off the ones that report the best.
1: Yeah,
0: yep. Um, But we are obviously cautious, we're very happy to, with the start of the year, it's made everyone feel very good, yep. but there does seem to be a lot of optimism embedded into prices at the moment, and it won't yep. take much for that to unwind. Yep. Should we get a you know rogue inflation number or commentary coming out of the Fed tonight, yes. could make the difference either way really. But yeah, yeah a great start to the year, but don't expect this to be
1: a smooth no, ride. No, it's been a cracking start to the year. Um, let's take a look at the stocks you want us to uh, look at, and analyze, kicking off with a real property theme today, REA Group and Domain then into South 32, into the resources, and Rio on top of that, finish the half out with the one of the big financials in terms of Westpac. Uh, earnings season now underway. Thought we'd, uh, our stock of the day, take a look at Credit Corp. First off the bat, the, um, the, the debt lender, if you like, or uh, the debt portfolio manager, consumer lender. Credit Corp said revenues in the first half came in at 220 million, up from 203. Uh, Despite the revenue bump, profits declined from 50 million to 32. Uh, Said its full year guidance between 90 and 97 million remains intact, declared an interim dividend of 23 cents, fully franked. Uh, uh, Few costs um, um, baked in, in terms of uh, the expansion into the US and also buying some loan books as well. Uh, Carl, what do you think of the, re- the result? And also Credit Corp, it's <laughs> sort of a, been a proven performer over the years, hasn't it? Well, yeah, look,
2: it, it does really well when the economy's bad because yes. they buy bad loans from lenders and then work with the, the, uh, the what do you call them? The borrower, <laughs> the, yeah, borrower yeah. The, 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 the lendee uh, to, to, to continue to pay those loans and to see them out. Um, as you say, expanding to the US, I think that's what the market uh, got a little bit uh, annoyed with today is that some of those costs are a bit higher. But then as you read through sort of the rest of the report, they, they like you say, the reaffirmed guidance, they said, look, it, there's all there's, there's some methods to the madness here. We're actually pretty full up on everything we want to buy over there in the US. We've got kind of gone shopping um, at probably a pretty good time. You know, given what's happening with their economy over there, and we're actually just going to focus on on what we've got. We're not going to buy too much more, but it is it is a you know, it's a buyer's market uh, for for for, uh, distressed credit at the moment. So yeah, look. uh, if you believe management that um, things are going to get better in the second half, and that requires a leap of faith, that is called execution risk. Okay, yep. when we'll investors in call execution risk, uh, then probably okay. I'll have to look uh, in terms of the valuation. I did a valuation on it today. I came out at pretty much where it is right now, just because um, looking at growth out for the next three years. This is broker consensus numbers. Thomson Reuters broker consensus. We've got six percent compound annual growth rate for the next uh, three years, which is not that much different from the market, and it's. It, you know markets typically grow uh, six or seven percent earnings long, long, long run, right? Um, and market PE is about 15, so it's uh, the the PE of Credit Corp is about 15 for about market growth. So I think it's about fairly valued. The the most interesting thing for me today is the chart and what a wild day you show. You had that graphic mm. up how it plunged at the open yep. and has, is coming back. Now that, for people who own credit card, that's usually a pretty good sign. So whatever the bad news is, it gets digested. And then people, uh, you can see the price going up as people start to realize it's not as bad and the demand's coming in. So as long as it can close, I'm gonna say, let's say 2080 and above, it's okay i think you can hold it if it reverses course there you go it's 21.25 already so that's basically even uh, up so my charts are in, uh, a few minutes behind here yeah. uh, so that close there's 20 oh, it's fine it's fine gosh you don't worry hang on to it uh, okay. would i buy it um, the, 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 if you zo- that's just the daily chart if you zoom out the longer term trend is still a bit iffy right. um, it's not terrible it needs a little bit more work but, but based upon today's price action it's, it's a solid
1: hold okay
0: michael Yeah, Credit Corp's one we have clients in, and we've sort of been in and out of it over the years. We quite like the business model, it's pretty straightforward. They go out and they buy debt ledgers um, of debts that are in arrears, you know, 90 days, 120 days, and they buy it for a big discount in the dollar and effectively chase up that money over time. Um, A big chunk of the earnings, you know, missed today or or the the big um, drop in earnings was due to provisioning. So that's just them being cautious, like you see from the big banks during COVID or whatever, bad debts potentially will increase as interest rates move higher and unemployment increases and the economy slows. So they're just provisioning for that scenario to play out. It might not transpire and you could see them reduce those provisions uh, in the the six months ahead or 12 months ahead. So that's one thing to keep in mind. It's really just a paper change um, in, in profit rather than an actual impact on the business right here, right now. Um, But in many ways, you kind of need tough environments, um, recessionary or contractionary environments like we're going through at the moment for Credit Corp to really thrive. Um, A few years back, they were saying how it was very difficult to find any cheap debt ledgers out there. So they were really holding out, pulling back from the market. Then COVID came. Then there was some distressed debt sales, which they picked up. Um, And then also in recent times, they've really been going out doing a lot of buying. And you won't really see the benefits of that for another few years. But over time, as the economy improves, the debt that they've purchased during times of distress will improve as the economy improves. So they should be able to generate a pretty decent return out of the purchases from the last year or two. So from our standpoint, we're happy to go a hold at the moment, just because we think that sentiment will continue to be pretty pretty fickle when it comes to this space, just because people are fearful of of that broader global recession. But in time, I think it's definitely one you can, can look at. Because okay. it tends to struggle during times of stress. But then when markets are doing well, the share price rallies. But right. they actually need those times of stress to really set the business up mm. for the good
1: times. Okay. All right. Uh, let's check the, uh, a hold from both uh, Carl and Michael on Credit Corp. Uh, Lucy wants to view Michael on REA Group. Well, let's delve into the uh, to the big real estate platforms. Uh, realestate.com.au News Corp, a, um, a big shareholder in it. And I think REA's valued at more than Newscorp, uh, I think, pretty close at the moment. But
0: A big chunk of News Corp's yeah. value um, comes from yeah. their shareholding in REA, yeah. that's for sure, in yeah. the Aussie market, yeah.
1: Yeah, what do you think of REA?
0: We like REA, we hold it for clients, we've held it for a long time. In many ways, it's one of those sort of core positions in a portfolio. Um, they are by far the dominant player in Australia. Um, the, the, num- the number of monthly views in Australia is about sort of 12 million, uh, and that really does dwarf domain. Um, yep. In fact, domain have really struggled to make any lasting impact on REA's competitive market position. Um, the business is still growing very nicely despite the tough headwinds that they're facing with the housing market. Um, they're able really to flex their cost base quite nicely in times of, of turbulence, such as we're seeing at the moment. Um, and they're still seeing increased margins. They're still seeing high single digit you know, earnings growth and revenue growth. Um, their dividend yield per annum is growing, or not the dividend yield, but dividend per share per annum is growing. It's at, at sort of double-digit figures, so very high-quality business. Yes, at the moment we understand that the technology space is suffering, the housing market suffering, the number of listings is falling, um, but that you know is a is a short-term impact that we think over time will enable REA to emerge even stronger. They've got a number of different investment assets around the world to sort of geographically diversify. India um, is doing very, very well. The, the revenues that they're seeing in India are up, I think, 50%. The average monthly views is about 14 million. So in fact, there's more people going on to the REA website in yep. India or the equivalent name in India than there are in Australia. And over time, if they can get those markets really going strongly and, and use the Australian business to really fund that expansion overseas, we think there's a lot of growth mm. still to be had. Okay. So happy to go a long-term buy, although okay. don't expect it to jump up anytime soon. Just a caveat as well, if we're in the middle of earnings season, often it's best just to wait for the report before right. you buy, but I'm happy to, to put my neck out and give it a buy on a okay. long-term basis.
1: Um, uh, Carl Owen Wilson from uh, the boss of REA reckons the market does not recognise the potential of India. Um, here it comes, it's just going gangbusters for them. Um, what do you think of REA? I don't, I don't mind it. I get Michael's
2: argument that there's definitely quality there. Just for me, it's just what you're paying for the quality. So you're looking yeah. at sort of a, you know the high 30s in terms of what you're paying for current year earnings. But there is some you know, some good growth in the business. I mentioned, oh look, on average, the the, the, the total market growth you know six seven percent on an average year. We're looking at the brokers that are expecting sort of about 12 percent growth over right. the next uh, three years. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. But would I pay you know, 37, 38 times earnings for 12% growth? I'm not so sure. And that's kind of just where Ferrari falls down. I, look, I want to find a quality stock with a nice chart at a great price. Um, I think it's quality stock. I get it. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it's the right price. And the chart's not all that inspiring either. So the chart is just telling me what everybody else thinks about it. Don't worry about what I think about it. Um, Is there enough demand from people coming in saying, look, I can't find a better place to put my money than REA? Mm. That's what makes charts go up. I can't find a better place to put my money than REA right now um, compared to the people saying, you know what, I, I'm in REA and I can see so many other better opportunities out there. I need to get out. That's ultimately what every uh, every chart boils down to. So the chart's pretty flat. It's not awful. I can go holds. Right. Um, I'll give you some pressure points. Look, if we can close, uh, close above 130, it's starting to look quite good. It's a bull market stock, Koshi, it goes up in bull markets, it yeah. goes down in bear markets. Um, if it closes below say 108, it's looking very, very sketchy. And that means all the bad stuff that could happen here is it, this year is probably playing out. Okay. All right.
1: Um, so does domain is that a better alternative? Peter wants to know?
2: <sighs>
1: it's not as expensive. But it's
2: not as expensive for a reason you know there's no free lunches in the markets it's not expensive because it gets what about a third of the views um it's 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 not growing as as, as quickly uh so yeah look at the pe still still pretty high as in uh, you know rea's high 30s this one's sort of low 30s it's it's, mm. it's. I still can't find a reason on the valuation. The chart's actually quite a bit more bearish than REA. REA maybe because it's the, the go-to in that sector yeah. gets a bit more love. Um, yeah, well, I can. I can this, 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 REA said, "Look, I can hold it. Watch for those levels. This one, I'm squeaking in at a hold, only because the rally has taken it back up to a, to a, a sort of a safe zone. Um, but I'm not that excited." on a domain either, to be okay. honest. What else I'm gonna say? Look, uh, the other platform, uh, you know, online platform classifieds, I think Seek looks yep. better than both of those. I think yeah. car sales looks better than Seek. And if you want a little bit of a, a specky play, Frontier Digital Ventures, FDV, okay. uh, they, do, they do the same sort yes. of stuff, but in a lot of those emerging markets like India as well. Yeah, and
1: Vietnam and
2: places yes. like that. I think that that chart, that's been absolutely murdered through this um, tech uh,
1: bear market and it's actually starting to turn up really nicely now. Oh, that's really interesting because uh, uh, a lot of the market goes, no, no, we've got some great platform stocks who would want to fiddle around with Frontier. That's fascinating. I'm looking Uh, at the charts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Michael? Um, So Domain is
0: really the secondary player in the Australian market, but they do have a, a decent sized presence. And even REA and Domain, both of them are able to increase prices and pass them on fairly easily. The reality is real estate agents have to use these platforms, yeah, that's which, where they all the, which they <laughs> hate and that's <laughs> where all the eyeballs are though. And so they often end up advertising on both REA yeah. Oh, yeah. and Domain, particularly saying, you know, the East coast of New South Wales has a big presence for Domain. Yeah. Um, the thing is with Domain, they aren't as good quality. They are, very, very cheap at the moment relative to REA through history. But the thought process in the market, at least, is we had this big boom in property during COVID and post COVID. and There was a big uplift in listings and a lot of that benefited domain, probably more so than REA at the margin. Now you've had a reverse in fortunes, listings are down 10 Mm -hmm. 15%. Mm -hmm. And those people are sort of turning away from domain first. So the benefit, of the big property boom benefited domain better than REA. And now on the downside, it's affecting domain more than REA. Ah, Um, And you can probably understand the big valuation discrepancy in times of uncertainty, um, in times of of trouble in the housing market, people probably flock to the high quality name in REA and less so to domain. Um, But they are very cheap. They're in the bottom sort of 30% of their traditional multiple. Um, or or one standard deviation. So they are cheap, but I just think I'll prefer to stick with that quality in this environment. So I'm gonna go a a sell on domain and a a buy on on REA. Uh,
1: REA, okay. All right, um, our next stock, we're gonna get out of uh, of property and real estate and into resources. Uh, And Michael, another Michael, wants a view on South 32, the big uh, base metal miner that was spun out of BHP because Uh, None of the assets stacked up and then they spun them out and they've done very well. Yeah, it's (laughs) way better outside of BHP than when they were in BHP.
0: It's a bit of a a sort of a motley crew of different mines, but they're all very high quality, all in the sort of bottom half of the cost curve for their respective commodities. It's got things like alumina, aluminium, manganese, um, some metallurgical coal, some nickel, um, you could argue that there is some heightened sovereign risk with a lot of these mines that South 32 operates, just given a lot of the jurisdictions that they're in. Um, but the, the business has been doing very, very well. They are very reliant, obviously, on the China story, and that's been reinvigorated of late. Um, but their numbers have been very, very good. They've had strong coal production numbers, but they are trying to ramp up an asset called Cannington, and that's been sort of lagging a little bit. So that sort of balances themselves out. Um, it's unlikely this year there'll be that special dividend that there was from last year. Um, and there's also unlikely there'll be another share buyback just because right. the company's taken on a fair amount of, a fair bit more debt than they had sort of yeah. a couple of years ago. So just keep that in mind. But nevertheless, um, it's definitely having some love at the moment from the market as this China thematic really plays out and the optimism continues. So. Look, we actually hold this one for clients. It's one of the ones we have been doing some trimming in over the last few weeks, just given that run up again. Um, but the temptation is to hold it through to the report because you'll get a fairly decent dividend right. um, for this half. So happy to keep it as a hold, hold right. uh, with a view to maybe even buying more if it pulls back. But for now, just happy to hold it for the okay. report and collect that dividend. Carl?
2: Yeah, it's one of the higher quality uh, uh, mining companies out there and, and it really does have a great spread of uh, of assets and exposures to, um, to different metals so aluminium um, there's a little bit of copper in there there's a bit of uh, coking coal as well uh, among other things so um yeah i think it's it's if you're looking for if you try to plug something into a portfolio and and that gaps you know that whole says you know mining company i, I don't think you go too far wrong with this one um, and I think it's trading a little bit cheaper than, say, your BHPs and RIOs right now, which are probably temporarily at least overvalued right. uh, because of the, the surge in the iron ore price. Mm. Um, so in that respect, I don't mind it. The chart looks quite decent. Um, the long-term trend is still up. It's had a bit of a pullback uh, through the middle of last year, um, and but it's recovering. The short-term trend is okay. Candles are fine. So, yeah, look, I'm a solid hold. Uh, I, I could get close to a buy. I just want to see a few
1: more things happen happen in the chart before I go to a buy, but I'm happy to call it a halt. Okay. Um, Maggie wants a view on, on Rio, Carl. You oh, yeah. mentioned that there. Uh, BHP and Rio at the, uh, the top of their cycle.
2: Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a nice little segue, isn't it? So, yeah, that's why I said, I think you could trim a few. I don't think you want to be all out of iron ore. So I'll give you some numbers here. This is, um, and I'm I'm quoting... Macquarie Bank here. So Macquarie Bank's numbers, seeds. Oh, can I find it now? Uh, at spot pricing. So they're not my, this is not my words. Uh, Macquarie Bank's words. Um, earnings could exceed its Macquaries base case by 21% to 33% for 2023 and 2024, respectively, if spot prices prevail. So we're, of course we're at $128 a ton now. Yep. So, but nobody, none of the brokers believe we're going to stay there on iron ore, right? Everybody yeah. has these these long range forecasts sub $100 a tonne. So what Macquarie is kind of trying to get across there is, well, if the spot prices stay where they are, Rio and BHP and Fortescue are ridiculously cheap. Mm. Thing is, nobody believes that. So how long will they stay up here? Will that depends on china so a bit like you yeah. know south 32 i said it had a period of weakness last year that's when everybody was down on china so if everybody starts to get down on china make no mistake nothing's going to get spared all this stuff's going to go down so you have to understand yeah. not just what these uh they represent exposure to, to resources sure but that they are a big ball of risk so in terms of how you weight them within your portfolio i think you need to take that into account um we're talking about rio uh production side that they're, they're doing quite well there's a few issues but there are always issues with Rio Tinto that they're, they're probably doing better than they have uh, over say over the last 18 months in terms of valuations I think they are they're given where iron ore prices will I can't, I can't see them staying up here Goshie I think they're a bit overvalued they're, they're, they're probably right. 10 to 15% overvalued. It's similar on BHP, but again, if I'm wrong and spot prices stay up here for some reason, then then you know yep. you, you still want to have some exposure. So I'm going to go with um, trim, trim. Take yep. take some profits,
1: but you have to have some skin in the game on Rio, on Rio and BHP okay. and all this. All right. Yep. So when you say trim, what? That's 10%. A third, a third, a third. A third. A third. Yep. Okay. Uh,
0: Michael, uh, we don't have Rio. We haven't, and probably missed out off the back of that. We've. But um, sometimes that happens. Nevertheless, yeah. um, when looking at these commodities, Carl makes a great point. Ultimately, they're beholden to the underlying commodity prices. Yeah. They're very volatile. They go through these multi-year cycles of, of big troughs and then big peaks. And is back
1: in full production. And the, back in full production. The, the massive iron ore mine, which produces as much as Australia does, doesn't yeah, it? I don't, I don't, don't know, know the, the exact exactly it's It's phenomenal.
0: It's um, it's it's big. And that's the whole thing. Although, yeah. So China, t- I think, takes about 65% of global iron ore, about 50% of copper. And that's sort of the two areas right. that Rio's is operating in. So you're relying a lot, not only on China, but as you say, what supplies coming out from a- around the world. So just to, to be direct about how we manage portfolios, we tend to be more active around our commodity positions. We don't really see them as long-term core holds. You've got a kind of go with the flow in terms of momentum, from a macro level, but also in the prices. Um, But look, Rio had, they've been increasing their iron ore production targets as they came out of COVID. Obviously there's a lot of absenteeism um, and just some lags and delays in in certain things. Um, They've seen sort of copper production be pretty strong, alumina and aluminium has been pretty weak. They've got a very large um, copper asset, Oya Toya, or Toya, I can't say it very well, out of Mongolia, which they own 66% of. And that has the opportunity to be a massive, massive copper mm, okay. asset and really increase the amount of copper, percentage of revenue for, for Rio. Uh, and we quite like the long-term thematic behind copper, and that could be a positive. But at the moment, it does seem pretty expensive. And the key commodity in iron ore seems to be quite lofty, and there's a bit of scepticism on the, the long-term okay. outlook for that price, or at least the short-term outlook for that price. So we're happy to go a sell on Rio right. as well. Okay, um, We just think there's probably other miners to be exposed to at the moment.
1: Okay, um, and let's finish off this half hour in financials. One of the big four banks. Eric wants a view, Michael, on Westpac. Uh, banks have been on a tear. Commonwealth Bank, record high, all-time yeah. high yesterday. Uh, and up again a bit today?
0: Yeah, Westpac's been struggling. Big discount yep. to, to CBA, even a big discount to NAB. Um, they were going through a big uh, project in order to get costs to about 800 million a year. Then they did away with that and said that it's going to come in, oh, sorry, 8 billion a year, and then it's come in 600 mil over, what yep. they were hoping for. So the sentiment in the market for Westpac relative to the other banks is probably, Yeah, fairly negative and you can see it hasn't been much of a a response there. Um, Westpac's more exposed as well to New South Wales and the housing market in New South Wales have been leading the rest of the country. Um, The amount of bad debts on the balance sheet is very, very low at the moment. Um, That's expected to rise, but still to very manageable levels, nothing even close to the GFC. But broadly speaking, we're still concerned about the cost out program that Westpac is running. Um, and we're just broadly negative on the overall banking space. Yes, right. they have seen a big benefit from improving net interest margins, but they're probably going to peak this year and start to come back in the next couple of years, particularly once you know, 25% of the fixed rate mortgages roll over to floating, there'll be a lot of competition in the space. Term deposit rates will eventually have to, to go up. Yep. Um, credit growth continues to come down. I mean, early 2000s, credit growth was 17%. You know, it's now down around 6% and it's sort of been trending down for the last two decades. So it's just very difficult for these companies to grow their revenues, grow their dividends, grow their return on equity in that sort of environment. Um, so I just think the majority of bank returns are going to come from the dividends, which will probably be 65 to 75% payout ratio right. going forward. So happy to, to, to hold Westpac if you really want, but I just, I'm going <laughs> to go, <I'm gonna> go, <laughs> go sell on Westpac okay. There's <laughs> other banks to buy if you want to buy a big four bank, but broadly speaking, we're not oh, keen so on any of favourite? the banks. Oh,
1: you're not keen on any? Not any anything.
0: of the banks, okay. but I understand clients love the banks for their yeah, income, yeah. whatever. TBA is very expensive, below yeah. 4% dividend yield, highest multiple in the world. So I'm actually going to go sell on all the banks. There.
1: Sell on all the banks, <laughs> uh, You've got including me. Macquarie's?
0: No, Macquarie's a no. very different kettle yeah, of fish. Yeah. So that's a Absolutely. buy probably, a okay. special buy.
1: All right. Carl,
2: Westpac? He's He's whacking out sales on stocks <laughs> we're not even supposed to be covering today. <laughs> uh, uh, um, uh, uh, look, yeah, okay, I get it. And I get, oh, I totally agree. I mean, if you've got a list of all the bad stuff, I think it's going to the, I gonna happen to the banks. Michael's just gone the checkbox system. But at the end of the day, the charts are still going up. So I've got a question for Michael. Have you ever, um, as you've called a sell on the banks, have you ever said or told a client that the banks are a sell, and has that client ever followed through and sold a share of the banks?
0: <laughs> it's a, it's it. you need to really build up the relationship first. But um, you're right, it's it's a rarity where they go yeah, ahead. It might rarity. trim a little bit. So they, there. so they
1: marry the banks. They
0: love it, and often they've been right. in there for a long time and there's come the gains. But yep. most, you they're going to transfer.
1: Isn't that funny, Carl? It's a really good point, though.
2: Aussies love their banks. They, will, they the, the the plan is to pass those banking shares onto their kids and then their grandkids and then their grandkids' grandkids. because the belief is they'll always be around and they're always going to pay a good dividend. And I'm not arguing with that. So if you if you're listening to me right now, watching Aussies and go, hey, that's a bit insulting. No, I'm an active. I'm managing my portfolio actively. To be honest. You're never going to sell your banks. It doesn't matter what I, I or Michael say about them. Um, but I, I think you can hold them. Long story short, there's there's nothing in the charts to suggest that all that bad stuff is being uh, considered to be bad by the market. So don't forget, all that bad stuff is out there. Everybody talks about it. I watch Osby's religiously, gosh, yeah. it's up on my screen up there, just by listen to it uh, for better or worse. And how many um, um, people come on Osby's uh, like me and say, oh, "All this bad stuff's gonna happen to the banking sector, yeah. yet CBA, CBA's at a record high. So how do you reconcile the two? Well, the people who are buying shares don't care about any of that stuff. Yeah. There's just more orders yeah. coming in to the brokers and from the fund sell. managers. You, they're, they're, and who's selling them, right? Yeah. Because you're locking, you're locking them away. So hold on to them. You're going to get your six odd percent yield. If I had to pick one, Westpac, by well, think markets numbers, is the least overvalued.
1: But they are right.
2: all overvalued by right. our numbers. Okay. CBA, CBA by sixteen percent.
1: God, jeez. All right. Okay. Uh, let's recap the uh, the first five stocks, including our stock of the day, uh, Credit Corp, a hold from both Michael and Carl. Uh, REA, a hold from Carl, long term buy from Michael. Uh, Domain, a hold from Carl, a sell from Michael. If you want platform stocks, Carl uh, thinks of all of them car sales and, and Seeker are better than Domain and REA. But he particularly likes a, a little one called Frontier Digital, which is a platform stock but not here in Australia. It's in um, similar sort of models, but in developing countries. Uh, South 32, a hold from both. Rio, uh, trim a third from Carl. um, A sell from Michael. And uh, Westpac, a sell from Michael, a hold from Carl. Uh, Now, here on the call, of course, we've been following our own high conviction fantasy portfolio. I was picked by our investment committee. Uh, Last committee meeting was back in early December. You can still see that on osbiz.com. But there's going to be a new one in the next couple of days as we kick off the new year. Um, back in December, they got out of Babcorp and Dominoes, got into Index and Janus and Education, increased the weighting in Elders. Since the first of March last year, the fund is up fourteen percent. All right, this half hour we're uh, going to be taking a look at um, who it's Seven Group, Breville. Uh, Going to be taking a look at Block as well, IGA, uh, IGO rather, and Sayona. At CMC,
2: we've been in the game for a while,
1: um, Carl, kick off with uh, with Seven Group, which is yes, distinct certainly. from Seven West Media, even though it holds forty one percent of forty uh, percent of uh, of the of the network. But Seven Group, uh, big stake in Boral. It's a, a bit like a West Farmers, isn't it?
2: Yeah, exactly. they they well, or Saul Pattinson, isn't it? They they yeah. they buy oh, yeah. they buy they buy businesses, right? So or, or majority shares in businesses, so they can influence uh, the the running of those businesses. So yeah, it's kind of uh, like monopoly, isn't it? They're just trying yeah. to you know buy all the, all the stuff they like as they go around the board. Uh, yeah. So a lot of investors they go, oh seven, it's got to be um, something to do with media, but that's it is that is a, a, tiny, part. Part. Yeah. a tiny part. now. tiny part now. It's largely a mining services company and its fortunes uh, as i tell um, I think markets clients when i can't try and describe it to them i say look this is the, the fortunes of of this company are tied closer to the iron ore price than they are to, um, you know, Sunrise, watching Koshi yep. on Sunrise yep. in the morning. <laughs> um, but obviously uh, the, the boreal exposure is um, giving them some exposure even to uh, property development particularly uh, and then uh, the, the, you, even down to your renovation market as well, obviously. But they own a, a bunch of um, beach petroleum too, so so yep. they have an energy and exposure. And the big
1: Caterpillar there. franchise, don't they? Oh, of course, West yeah, Track? West Track.
2: Has, yes, yep. yes, massive. But that's where that mining and exposure coach. comes into
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: And Coates. Yeah. So Coates and West Track, that's that's all mining, right? Yeah. Um, so massive over here in WA. Uh, look, I think, again, don't go into this thinking it's just your typical industrial stock. It is absolutely a cyclical stock. Yeah. So when the cycle is good or turning yeah. up, it's going to go gangbusters. When the cycle is starting to turn down, it's not going to go so well. And that's why when you look at the share price, it was hit pretty hard. Um, What's rescued it? I mean, it was uh, 16 back Mm. at the start of October and now it's 23. That's all the iron ore price. You overlay this this chart with BHP's chart, they're identical. So again, just understand what you're getting yourself into. I'm not sure if I'm a trim up here, like some of the others, I think there's a bit more room until it gets to the top of its range, which is around 24 to 24.50. And then I think you can take a little bit off the table, again, one third. Otherwise, I think you can hold it to then. It looks very, very solid.
1: Okay.
0: Michael? Um, yeah, we touched on this, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Um, basically they've got the, the, the West Track, um, which gives them the sole licensing rights of Caterpillar throughout WA, New South Wales, ACT. They've In recent years, they've got a big exposure to beach petroleum um, or beach energy now and boral. So they're trying to diversify away from that pure reliance on iron ore. Mm. Um, So that's something to to keep in mind. But it is always with these conglomerate type businesses, hard to get all parts of the business moving in the right direction at the same time. Um, But it has a a decent track record of of steady dividend payments. happy to give it a hold at the moment, just because I think there's a bit more potentially to play out with that whole China reopening theme. And that tailwind could continue to benefit someone like Seven. Um, So... You're happy to give it a hold for now. Okay. Um, the Stokes family owns 70% as well, hmm. so your interests are aligned with management. Some people like that sort of thing. Yep. Some people don't like it when there's a, a massive majority yep. owner, but you can basically invest with the
1: Stokes family through a company yep. like this. And Ryan runs it and seems to be doing a pretty good job. Um, uh, Aaron wants a view, Michael, on the king of the kitchens, Breville, <laughs> the, uh, uh, the kitchen... Kitchenware manufacturer that uh, went berserk during COVID as everyone stayed home and did their baking. Um, wanted a, a flash new app- appliance. What do you think of Breville?
0: Yeah, look, it's um, amazing how a fairly simple business can can really do so well. Who would have thought yep. that the Jaffel makers would be <laughs> such a hit? But. Um, it's, it just shows you a well-run retail brand, um, their margins and their performance is, is far better than say their nearest competitor, which is someone like DeLonghi, which yeah. is an international brand, I'm pretty sure. Um, but Breville Group, they're premium products. Um, they're able to charge you know, a higher cost and, and, and extract a higher margin because of that. The key for, for Breville really is to continue to invest in the future um, through research and development so that they can stay ahead of the curve when it comes to new and improved, more efficient products onto the market. They successfully expanded into the US going back a number of years and really managed to pull it off despite many of the reservations that the market had at the time. Um, Obviously the track record of Aussie companies maybe isn't the best, particularly retailers, but they definitely pulled it off in the US and they're now looking to replicate that in Europe. So if they're able to do that, then there's a lot more growth to come mm. for a company like this. Um, so that's just something to, to keep in mind. It's obviously a big risk, because if they pile all this money into expanding into Europe, and they yeah. don't get the same bites as they got in the US, then it's gonna go down um, not so well with the market. Uh, their balance sheet's very good. They've had you know, 10, 15 years of unbroken revenue growth, very good earnings growth. In recent years, margins have contracted, um, return on equity's fallen. they've taken on a bit more debt. So the balance sheet's not as good as it once was, but it's probably a symptom of the fact that they're taking on these expansion projects. So just keep in mind that the risk levels at the moment for Breville are probably higher than they've been right. at times okay. in the past. I'm happy to, to give it a hold because it's a very high quality business, but um, I just think at the moment, I wouldn't have it in my top 20 or 30 businesses in a portfolio, right. um, but it's definitely one to keep an eye on because okay. the balance sheet is good.
1: Yeah. Uh, biggest shareholder Solomon Lou, Premier Investments, uh, Carl, isn't it? And mm-hmm. I think they now make Nespresso machines for Nespresso. I think is. Oh yeah, they white label. They they white label those. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I
2: bought one for my wife for Mother's Day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so Gosh, There you go. I can confirm that. Uh, it's it's so funny. I, I was reading through the um, the the broker uh, comments on this one. So you've got the Bear Camp uh, interest rate increases falling house prices, rising costs, increasing competition uh, if the recession bites.
1: Uh,
2: And then you've got the bull case, which is low unemployment rates, uh, elevated household savings ratios, um, and the market has overestimated the impact of interest rate rises on the consumer. (laughs) Okay, Uh, It's it's already factored in. So it's such a polarizing company. And I've I've, I've just started on my fact set uh, panel here, brokers, Uh, With a positive rating, five brokers with a positive rating, eight with a neutral rating, and three with a negative rating. And it's it's actually quite rare to get such a widespread. So five Mm -hmm. uh, effectively buy, eight neutral, and then three negative. So polarizing because there's so many things that can either go right or go wrong. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to pull out of this race and just say, well, who am I to say, like, what? how the hell can I possibly know what's going to happen with global economies this year? I can't. So I'm going to go to the chart and I'm going to say everybody who does know what's going to happen, they're voting with their cash or they're pulling out of the stock. And what I can see right now is actually I can see in demand coming back in. I can see investors, I wouldn't say flocking just yet, but they're coming back into this stock very mm-hmm. strongly, a bit like that uh, seven uh, yeah. uh, chart we just looked at. I think it's getting to a pressure point here around 2330. But if you can break above that, then I think it's actually in the clear to start what could be um, quite a nice uptrend. So I'm going to go solid hold and just watch for that close above 2330. And then I think you can add some to your portfolio.
1: Okay. All right. Um, our next uh, stock was um, in an industry, back to financials, that so has been under a bit of pressure. Buy now, pay later. Alan wants a view on block, uh, Carl, but which isn't just. Afterpay, it is also the the square uh digital bank if you like for small businesses globally exactly so that's a uh, point of sale
2: software business yep. management software and uh and the hardware you, you t- tap and go things you've probably seen them when you've gone down to the uh the food truck the food stall yeah. at the local markets you know and you've tapped on that that's a square yeah. product the square so it's why <laughs> it, 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 it's square. way more yeah it's way more way more than um than just after pay I don't know what Jack Dorsey's thinking but I'm sure he regrets that purchase right now because Afterpay continues to be um, under the underperforming part of the business. In fact I uh, I went to the web the square website, so as I do I go you know due, due diligence for the show and I couldn't even find a mention of Afterpay in in their businesses. No. So
1: I, I, Is I, that right? Go check
2: it out. Go check it out. They've got wow. all the other stuff there and like, where's Afterpay? I don't know if that's on purpose, or they just haven't added it in from what is it Jeez. now. Year that's a while. Else? Yeah. So what's with that? Uh, so you kind of need to know uh, how everything else is going. Everything else is actually going pretty well. Where the chart fell down, there's your chart, is because, well, Jerome Powell, you know, shuffled his papers at, on his accepted speech back in 22nd November last year, and then became a a bloody hawk he just said no i'm going to just ram it just race right through the roof and that killed the nasdaq and we went from being able to pay ridiculous multiples for future earnings that may or may not materialize to only being very conservative and unfortunately um, we've come back from 326 times earnings to a more modest 70 times earnings. right <laughs> uh, but there's a great growth in the business again looking at my fact set numbers here we're um 36 compound annual growth rate out to fy25 their calendar year fys by the way um so you're looking at 27 times that year's earnings which is actually really good for a growth site if you can take the leap of faith in the executioners look my valuations actually around about here i think it's fair value i'm going to go holds um, because the chart is improving it's not great yet i'll take, give you a number if it gets above say 93, if it closes above 93, then I think you can add some to your portfolio on the basis that the NASDAQ's probably already recovering by then. Okay, Uh, Michael? Yeah,
0: interesting business. Obviously, everyone's familiar with it because of the Afterpay acquisition, but Afterpay, even at that point, would have only been about 25% of Block's overall operations. Given that Afterpay's been shrinking and every other part of the business has been growing, it's probably even reduced in importance. Um, So just to give you a bit of an example, um, the Square part of the business and the Cash App were growing very strongly and beat consensus by 5 and 3% respectively uh, in the recent update, whereas the Buy Now Pay Later part of the business, which is Afterpay, was a 20% miss. So the company's growing revenue at 24% excluding Afterpay, they keep excluding Afterpay <laughs> from well, everything. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. So. But it's a very, very good international business now. Um, They've grown their international source of revenue from about 8% to 13% and they expect it to reduce costs over the years to come as well, which is always a good dynamic when you're growing revenues, reducing costs as they roll out more and more of their product around the world. So there's a lot to like about this and my gut feeling is that if we do see improved sentiment in the NASDAQ and we do see somewhat of recovery in the tech space, then then Block will be one of the major beneficiaries of that. But I kind of think at the moment that you're playing a bit of a a guessing game with the macro, Um, because if macro deteriorates, then NASDAQ's not going to do well. If the macro improves, NASDAQ will probably have a a bit of a run, but at the moment it's difficult to say, but this is a very good company, don't get me wrong. I just think there are probably factors outside of the company's control, which are going to influence the share price over the next three to six months. Happy to have it as a long-term hold. Um, right. But I but I wouldn't be jumping in just yet as a okay. buy.
1: All right. Okay. Uh, let's go from uh, financials back to the, the resource space. And Carl, Cindy wants a view on IGO in the mm-hmm. lithium space. Yeah, did you see what it did yesterday, Koshi? That mm. was a
2: massive, massive move. So they released their half year results, and yeah. uh, lithium is going gangbusters. That's their um, joint venture with Tianqi, the big yeah. Chinese lithium processor. Uh, so they've started uh, pr- uh, production, obviously, well, not started, Greenbush is producing, um, and they've just started production of their lithium uh, hydroxide out of Quinana here, which is just south Perth. Um, but, so that's all gangbusters. What the market didn't like was the fact that the nickel side of the business was really underperforming, yeah. and then more broadly speaking, costs are continuing to rise. So pretty you know, consistent theme across the miners there. Um, some depending on which broker you listen to didn't like the, the broker, which uh, the, the dividend I should say, which was actually a record to be fair. So a little bit of um, maybe buy the rumor, sell the facts, perhaps. Uh, in that share price movement from yesterday i think when you do see see those sorts of moves you uh, and if the viewers aren't uh, where it's a giant black candle. So mm. the black candles are the ones that open very high in the session and then close towards the low. But this is huge. So the range was huge from 16 down to sort of 1450. What you then I call that I call that a massive uh, or a major supply event. And generally there's species ending events for trends. So when you see big black candles that big, go back and look at charts. A challenge for you is go back and look at these big black candles. So you need a candlestick chart, of course, to start off with. Yeah. But see how many times those big black candles, when they occurred, where the stock was trading six months later. So it's and a turning point. It is. Oh, man, you've got to watch these. They're, oh they're yeah. so deadly. They're so deadly for trends, so I'm a bit worried. So the caveat is, if the next day you see a big powering back up, so they investors, because you got to remember, we don't just have local investors here in Australia that get the news when it occurs, so they read the report. Those reports are read in New York, yeah. actually. They're read in London. Yeah. yeah right and those investors those international investors they respond the next day and they might have a different view okay so watch what happens the next day which is today if you can get that rally back it's probably fine you know that's p- local investors source of bad stuff overseas investors source some good stuff if it doesn't rally the next day that's the old dead cat bounce it's the oldest adage in markets you know if if it doesn't bounce the next day that's not good it's not bouncing today i'm really concerned i'm, I'm gonna go or i'm gonna go i'm an absolute trim like knock off a third right. but geez if it, if it if it gets well I'll give you another number here to knock off the next third if it closes below 1398 knock off the next third and if it then gets
1: below um, 13 you sh- I think you really need to be out of this one okay so is that a precursor for other lithium stocks as well could be. <laughs> Should be okay. yeah. I mean, lithium. Um, so lithium carbonate prices
2: have topped. You should see the chart on that. And lithium hydroxide prices. They 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 were the ones hanging up there because lithium carbonate requires processing okay. to get potentially to lithium hydroxide or potentially then to go to your pre, uh, battery precursors. But lithium hydroxide is always a premium. Um, that's what you get from the hard rock lithium, the spodumines. Um, so your Pilbara, Pilbara minerals, core minerals, the lithium carbonate is okay. I could go on and on, Koshi, yeah, I won't. Yeah, Pilbara. But
1: yes, uh, it, it, I must have been, it, that, I've had a bit of Pilbara <laughs> and sold half the other day because I thought this has I been ridiculous.
2: Wise. I don't like that move yesterday. I think it's wise to take a little off the table. Okay, Michael.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, the lithium space, everything was sort of smashed yesterday. Um, yeah. Alchem, or Alchem yeah. was was hammered, so it's hard to decipher um, in the IGO or independence um, update what was really the main driver of that move, but the brokers are pretty mixed. But I, th- I thought, just reading through all the the details and all the broker reports, that it was probably, broadly speaking, negative. They had a six-month delay in a final investment decision on a new project that they're looking at. That a production downgrade on the Nova mine. Um, so yeah, there's they're not positives. And obviously, Carl touched upon there's increased cost guidance, which is never a good thing. Um, the dividend was was mixed depending on who you read. Uh, weaker free cash flow generation. So from my standpoint, that's probably a negative, um, particularly when a share price has run up as much as it has. Don't get me wrong. If the nickel price and lithium price start charging back for whatever reason, then IGO will, will do well, like regardless of today's result, that the sentiment will come back. But yep. on a relative basis, you've got to compare to other producers of those commodities. And at the moment, you'd think that there are, if you wanted lithium exposure, if you wanted nickel exposure, there are other alternatives right. out okay. there. So I'm going to go a sell on IGO. Um, but you got to keep in mind, that what everyone really does like with IGO is the fact they've got really two quality assets in WA, um, which is considered to be very safe um, for these very you know what do they call it um, critical materials so right. people do like that element about IGO, but at the moment just looking at it on a like-for-like basis I think there's better alternatives elsewhere happy to give it a sell
1: okay um, our final stock which is still in the, the same sort of space as well um, Reese wants your view on sayona mining Michael uh, Lethem, you yeah. had a good day yesterday with the market
0: update yeah. Um, interesting because this is probably sort of a halfway between explorer to producer. It's not yeah. an out and out specy explorer. They do have some, you know, pre-feasibility studies underway. They've got a pretty big prospect in Quebec, Canada, um, and that's a, a good resource to have, really close to where a lot of the market action is at the moment. And then they've obviously got some exploration upside as well in WA. So yeah. it's look, it's obviously on the higher risk end of the spectrum when it comes to miners and lithium miners. Our preference has always been for the producers and I've mentioned this before, it's because they're doing it in the here and the now, producing now, capitalizing on what have been very high prices. Um, whereas something like this is really dependent <coughs> on the news flow. And I think you'll have periods of you know euphoria like we can see in the chart there, uh, followed by periods where it comes out of the news and people sort of forget about it, lock in their profits until the yeah. next update comes. So. It's a long, long way away from being really anything in terms of a producer. So right. it's going to be a very bumpy ride for the long-term holder. So I'll be tempted to just sell and right. focus attentions elsewhere now okay. that the, the good news updates come.
1: Yeah. Carl, what do you think of Sayota? They Their update, they did say they successfully processed 400 tons of spodgymene ore on the 16th of January.
2: Yeah, so they're, well, they're going into production, aren't they? So yeah. that's the that's the key. That's when, you know, quite often I like to get involved is when they're starting to produce it, getting mm-hmm. their product to market. Prices are still high. said so I know they've come off, but they're still very high. Uh, but, you know, it, it's a $2.6 billion capitalization. It's far from a minnow. I mean, mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. really some, some market cap in there. Uh, it's one of the most popular ones for think markets clients. I do again my Tuesday sessions uh, every week they ask about Sayona and the chart's oh, right. been going down, 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 down. And I say, mm, it's not my favorite, it's not my favorite. And I talk about all the other ones. And then lo and behold, it's had a little bit of a pop up from say 16 to, to 30, but everything else popped up to be fair. It's not my favorite, I like Argozi. I think that's um, a better oh, chart. Right. Uh, I don't mind Sayona now. Uh, I know, no doubt on Tuesday, I'm gonna get asked about it again. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll say the same thing uh, to them as I'm gonna say to you, I, I, I can go a hold. But I'm right. not
1: quite at a buy on this. What's your, one. What's your, Just, yeah. what's your Minres chart show? Which okay, is the, the darling look. of the of the market. Of course you get iron ore in Minres as well. Yeah, it looks still looks fine, obviously. And I think right. that's it's the iron
2: exposure. But if you look at um, yesterday's candle it was a black candle but nothing like igo and that just showed, speaks to me of the relative strength in the business so i is you know that that trend is still amazing yeah you know, I, I can't yeah. see any reason to sell it here or even or trim, go trip okay but oh uh, here's the but, if it closes let's say if it closes below um 86 then i might have another idea on that one but okay. we'll talk about it
1: then excellent <laughs> all right let's recap the uh, the final five stocks seven group a hold from both carl uh, and michael uh breville a hold from both if it gets above twenty three thirty for carl on the chart then it starts to look attractive um block a hold from carl a long-term hold from uh, from michael uh igo a sell from michael uh carl says trim a third keep watching it Falls any further, Triv, another third. Uh, and Sayona, a hold from Carl and a sell from Michael. Carl Capalinga from Think Markets. Always great to have you aboard, mate. Thank you very much for that. Always oh, oh, fun to be on board. Thanks, gosh. Catch you later. And uh, Michael Wang from Fairmont Securities. Good to have you, mate.
0: Good to be here.
1: Yeah, yeah fun hour was that a lot of information hopefully you enjoyed it at home as well if you've got any stocks you'd like me to put to our expert panels of course put them in an email the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at osbiz tv handle the pulse says next with andrew g